Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Guys, I'm just checking, making sure no tech difficulties. Can you guys hear me? So just give me the word, and we're good to go, guys. Um, just waiting to hear if you guys hear me, and then I'm going to play my theme song. We've got a great, great, great show today, okay, guys? Um, so here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. everyone. I'm back. So today's going to be a very special show. It's going to be on addiction. Um, we, we have a lot of messages we need to get out there to a lot of people. The majority of my shows are talk shows and it's to empower people, help families of, of addiction, help the addict, okay? Anyone suffering with a disease. Uh, I'm a nutritional health coach. I'm the author of I'm Not an Addict. I'm just an ass. I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass. Guys, 28 years ago I was a dumbass, but 28 years later today I'm now a smartass helping others. I have an incredible guest tonight, uh, today for you guys. Um, Dave, introduce yourself, and then I'm going to read the poem I wrote about you. All right, I'm looking forward to this poem. Uh, David Mackey, I've been a licensed professional counselor up in uh, New Jersey for 26 years, and then the last couple years been down in St. Cloud, Florida, and still with a license. I have been dealing with all kinds of mental health issues, but predominantly uh, addiction has emerged as uh, the group of people that I've been working with, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, sex addiction, porn addiction, is, uh, but alcohol, drugs, gambling, the whole gamut. Hmm. So Mackie, I wrote a poem for you, so when I get done with the poem, everybody out there will have a really great understanding of who you are, um, and all right, let's start with this, because we have a lot to say today. My guest here today has become a great friend. His name is Dave Mackey, Life Skills He'll Recommend. A practicing counselor over 26 years, one might say, brings clients to tears. A pastor's kid is who you are, a safe place to be with God, not far. The way that you lived in a fishbowl you feel everyone watching every time you'd kneel. All eyes were on you. They were making sure you practiced God's word while they shut their door. True connections were lost and not very deep. Must toe the line. All laws you must keep. You needed an escape like most young men do. Porn and lust made its way. Your world became new. 
It became your drug as a young boy, but at 22 gave up Playboy. You share without shame all these years later, brought to your knees by God the Creator. You heard a whisper. God said, Hey Mac, put down the porn. I want you back. Pursuing a connection with Jesus and God, that's all you needed to now heal your bod. Intimacy with your Savior will heal your heart and soul. Staying faithful to God has now become your goal. Your practice is based on these principles. The key to recovery is love in spoonfuls. Addiction is addiction no matter which one. These principles apply. Just put down the gun. Even mental health can all be now healed. Get into God's word. All answers revealed. Mackie, my friend, on most we agree, recovery is possible. The Lord is the key. What do you think, Mackie? I love it. I okay. love it. Um, yep. I, I can't believe you got that from the things that we, we've talked about. Yep. Um, you put together a, a good picture of uh, my journey. Yes. But especially the early years. Yes, the early years. But see, what people have to understand, even about me, me and you, our early years defined our later years. Uh, well, and, and that actually is true for everybody. Yep, that's right. Um, that's right. But I think particularly for addicts, I don't know, my, my experience is that addicts really don't want to accept that. They don't, they don't want to accept that stuff from their growing up years had, has any effect on them. And it, you know, in, in terms of their addiction. Um, and it's really, to me, it's almost like a common sense thing. Like, you know, as you're growing up, learning and developing and growing, if there's trauma in your life, even the kind of trauma that, that might seem like it's not that big a deal, but um, sometimes our wounded, our child hearts, um, it, it is a big deal for us. Well, I have. I want to um, say something. I don't totally agree with one thing you said. I believe they all know it comes from their childhood but they t- they refuse to take responsibility in switch you know like flipping the switch to change things because i hear addicts every day saying um you know i'm an addiction coach i talk to them every day and i hear them saying to me well it's not my fault this happened to me when i was growing up so they do know that it came from that but they refuse to take responsibility as an adult to do anything to change it what do you think? Yeah, so I think it would be unfair to paint one big brush. Yep. Um, and, and, and I agree with you. I have those. Uh, I have those clients who um, who do blame. Um, and that, this this comes down to what you and I have talked about endlessly. Um, <laughs> and which is that they have a if they have a victim mentality I have a disease yes um, then then and that that disease is not something they can do anything about 
then that that's the kind of client or the person that you're talking about. Yes. And um, so, um, but I wonder if there's a difference um, between the chemical addict drugs and alcohol and the addict that I work with the most which is um, a behavioral addict I guess you could say so uh, so somebody gets caught up in uh, porno- in in looking at pornography and uh, it becomes an obsession a daily thing yes uh, sometimes more than once you know yes um, and when you begin to unpack that with somebody they in, in my experience they're very slow to want to say this has anything to do with their the family they grew up in okay I mean some of them when, where they've received uh, physical um abuse and sexual abuse um when they're ready to look at that and and that also sometimes it well it generally is a closed door for a time uh, for a time period i mean that's what they did as children is they and i i, I actually believe god is the one that enabled them to be able to do that to survive Okay. So they they develop that coping skill of of closing the door on that world and then going and doing life as if that stuff didn't happen. Okay, you know what? Um, that makes sense. Wait, I want to respond to what you just said because that makes a lot of sense with sexual addiction because sexual addiction and and I you know like using drugs the substance okay alcohol i believe is a little different um i can say this because i lived through it i was in a relationship for many years with a christian man um who was addicted to porn and i never knew it he was living a double life and you know he even played jesus in our plays and uh you know when it came tumbling down let's just say when it hit me in the head it destroyed our lives together it destroyed me as a woman for a while there you know um but a chemical dependency is a little different the reason why i want to stress that well it's it's all chemical once the brain cells are altered regardless of addiction let me stress something mackie and then we'll get back to what you were saying because i want the audience to understand something here i want everyone out there who knows someone or possibly you're the problem you know you have the problem we all know someone unfortunately who struggles with addiction out there and uh I want any everyone out there listening to understand that addiction is addiction. So we're here to help you regardless of the addiction. Um, are there differences in the addiction? There's differences in the patterns based on what the addiction is. Okay? But whether you're using a chemical substance or alcohol, you know, or food or sex, whatever it is, your brain cells will be altered based on whatever your pleasure is. So we want to just make that clear so everyone out there knows this isn't just about 
drugs or sex. It's all addictions. We're covering the board. Okay, guys? All right, Mackie, continue. So can I just um, add a little bit to what you just said yes. about the brain cells? Yes. Um, because um, <clears throat> this is where sometimes they say, you know, this is a, like a disease or something like that. Um, it, and disease is just the wrong word. You know, it's it's more like there's been physiological, neurolo- neurological damage done to us uh, when, when you take drugs, um, when you, um, you know, use alcohol, and, that, you know, to, to the point of addiction. Um, it's not like a one-time use. This is like when this becomes your life, um, it definitely affects us neurologically. It's, it affects you physically, um, which is um, what I love the work that you do, Jerry, with, with helping people recover their and physical bodies, you know. Thank you. With, you, uh, you as with well. Health, health uh, choices, yep. changes. Um, and um, so, um, but with sexual addiction and gambling and I would I would say that even with food uh, disorders which are treated as addictions by the way yep. um, the, the exact same thing happens there is a neurological uh, response that goes on in your brain and it's like called a pathway and you keep feeding that pathway over and over and over and over and over again and the same sets of internal chemicals, the dopamine and the adrenaline and the endorphins and all of that kicks in. Um, and, and that is something that we become like, addicted to also. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So it's, there is something going on. The wonderful thing about our, our bodies is that um, I believe God made them so that um, we can heal and grow, um, and new neural pathways can be can be built, yeah. um, and just through new habits. Um, certainly, when the drugs and alcohol are out of our system, which takes takes a while. Yes, you know, even though you're not inebriated or you're not under the influence of the drug it's still the, it, they're still running through your bloodstream a messed up system you yes know? Uh, I agree neurologically things are uh, wacky uh, to use a uh, medical term right. um, uh, wacky uh, anyway um, but when that gets out of your system you still have these patterns in your in your mind that need to be addressed right and i think with sexual addiction you kind of get there faster uh because you don't have an outside chemical that has to be gotten rid of you do have the behavior has to stop the looking at porn and masturbating um has to stop or uh, another you know seeing relationship having relationshipless sex which is like one night stands massage parlors prostitutes all of that is all fake it's all fake it's all, none, none of it's real it, it all feels like 
connection, like intimacy, you know, in our brain, but it's not, you know, and that that's why, and that's why it's not satisfying. So you need to do it again a few minutes later, or a few hours later, or just the next day. Right. Um, so I went up on a little tangent, but um, that's so important, I think, and it's really only been in the past what. 10, 15 years that I have become aware of the, the neurological piece. Right. And, and, um, and it's significant. That could be used as an, as, uh, as an excuse also. You know? Well, addicts, addicts, addicts love to you know, make everything excuses. That's right. So it's like, oh, well, I've been doing this for so long and I've damaged my brain. Whatever, right. What can I do? I can't fix that. You know? Uh, and, and the truth is, it can be fixed. Um, it can be healed, is a be- better way to put it. Um, and growth can happen so that we really do live. You can really have an entirely new life. You know, when I talk, when I hear you talk about your change 28 years ago you know your whole life changed yes you know it wasn't just that you stopped the bad behavior no so you know so I want to let everybody out there understand that so guys when we talk about the neurological pieces of our brains that are damaged you know they can be healed 100% it takes about a year for your brain to completely heal your cells to be rejuvenated as long as you're now only putting in healthy things. For instance, the brain, sugar, okay? This is what's really sad for me because the brain cannot distinguish the difference between like heroin and sugar. It thinks you're doing dope, okay? The problem is sugar back then, like when my grandmother was alive, my great-grandmother, right? That was raw sugar they grew. It's no longer the case. So even in in kids' cereals, in food, and everything, in soda. It's all high fructose corn syrup, number one. And number two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock you guys. In one small can of Coke, today is nine and a quarter teaspoons of high fructose corn syrup. They do it to get us addicted to it. So 99.9% of every single addict out there is addicted to sugar. Okay? Um, and that's why. So the majority of addicts that stop using drugs and alcohol, they start, they continue. I shouldn't say start because they've always been addicted to sugar while they're doing their drugs. But they continue with their sugar and that's like an outlet for them. And that's what's sad too. So when I made the changes, I changed everything in my life. Everything in my home became organic, my bedding, my cleaning products, um, my food, everything. So no dairy, no meat. And I'm not saying you, you have to become vegan to get healthy. But you have to make wise choices. So if I could take an addict and I can put them somewhere for a year, like in a, in a safe environment like a rehab, right? But I fed them only healthy food. They would come out a changed person and handed them a Bible and said, guess what? We're going to read this every day. Whether you believe in God or not, we're going to read this every day. I guarantee you they're going to walk out a different person now believing in God and eating healthy. See, that's the difference. But, you know, we can't do that to everyone. Um, so, I would add something. Go Jerry. ahead. Um, go ahead. Okay, so I totally agree that having a 
a real higher power, God, you know, that is is a huge part of yeah. real healing and growth. Um, and and so, um, but it's one thing to like, you know, step two says uh, came to believe that there's there's a power greater than us that can restore us to sanity. Yeah, I love that stuff yeah. because when you think about your insanity, the insanity of the lives we've been li- living, it, it's just, and, and we all thought, you know, we thought, oh, this is, this is not abnormal. Everybody does this, right? you know, but it was insane, you know, how we were living. Um, and, um, you know, so that's that step, but, and then step three says that we surrender to God, and it says, sort of, as, as we understand Him, okay, and and that's a little weak because if you don't understand, if you not, it's not a real higher power. If there's nothing, no, there's no substance to the higher power that you have, um, or that you claim to have, uh, then you can't complete those steps. You know, it's not it. It, it, it's got to be something real, and which is which you and I have found through um, through the Christian faith, through following Jesus, um, and you know, and and so it's and it's so hard for us to think that there anything else works. This works. We know this works, but it doesn't work to just know about God. It it has to be a growing relationship. That's right. Like, uh, like a real. It's a. It's. It's no. Not knowing about, but knowing God, and um, but the other piece that's broken is so. So to the back up, uh, one of the things that addictions do is they stifle or completely break uh, our relationship with the higher power, with God. Right. Yep. And so that needs healing. But all the other relationships that it that it affects of people in our lives, um, you know, the families that are that are just destroyed uh, and right. um, are living in misery. Uh, the um, I'm I'm aware of a you know of a situation in which um, the parent had to come to the place where they it had been so many years that for their own sanity they had to they they actually came to the place where they they just figured their their kid was going to die right and for all practical purposes was dead right and wow that is uh, what a horrible place for a parent to be! But there's hundreds of them out there, maybe. Well, because, uh, especially in our society today, because you know, between eighteen and twenty-five, number one uh, drug of choice of uh, young men is uh, it'll probably starts with. Oxycontin and Percocets, uh, but painkillers that are abused, and then 
that becomes too expensive, so they they end up you know using heroin, and um, it just destroys. I mean, it just destroys. Well, I want to touch base on something that Dave Mackey said about a piece of the system that's broken, where they're saying a higher power to your understanding. So there's more than that piece that's broken in the programs and I'm going to share some things with you guys to make it make a little bit more sense to everyone out there because maybe this can help you help a loved one okay unfortunately I think it's something ridiculously low like say 7% it could be 7, 8%, 9% whatever it is um, where people actually get better the ones that are in the programs and in the rooms okay and I'm going to tell you what else is broken out there with this, with AA and NA and all that. So they're telling you that you need a higher power to your understanding. And like Mackie said, what is your understanding? It's not going to help you if you're saying my, that chair is my higher power. It's not going to help you. You need real help. Just like when they say the disease. We just talked a little bit about that. And when they use the word disease, this is why... I do not say addiction is a disease. I say it is a dis-ease of the brain cells. Mackie and I have had this conversation many times because while using anything, even food, your brain cells are altered like we were talking about. And we believe that that can be healed. But when you tell the addict that they're powerless over their addiction and they have a disease, they become powerless and they feel like they have a disease and what's the point of even getting better? But here's what I want to say to the family members. Your your family member, your loved one, your friend, uh, you know, they need you more than ever while they're going through this. So when they tell you to allow your family member to hit rock bottom, I think the term rock bottom, bottom is harsh for me because... Um, while your family member is using, especially if it's, it is a drug, right, and their mind is very, very distorted, they're not able at that moment to really help themselves at that moment. And I say moment because moments flee. Because in the next moment, they might be able to. Because if they can sit there and figure out how to get their next drug, they can probably figure out how to get help. But they have to know somebody's in their corner. They have to know that regardless of what they've done, someone in their family or their or a good friend is still going to be there to say, okay, you want help again? I'm here. See, I don't think there's too many times a person can say, I want help now. I would just continue to help, try to help them until either one day they are helped or God forbid one day they die. Mackie, how do you feel about that? So, um, I think that there's a balance that is needed. Um, it is, um, and it is so, so hard. Uh, I do believe that there is a concept called enabling. Yes, that that's we have different. To yes. Be aware of. Yes, yes. Um, I also believe that um, there's some truth to the whole codependency thing. Yes. Um, so I think the, 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 the helping person, the parent, um, j- needs to be aware of some pitfalls. Yes. Okay? And so, but you're abs- I love your point, Jerry. You're the first person that I ever heard make this point, and it's so like a duh. You know, 
if it if it's a disease, um, then why would we why you know why would we give up on a person? You know why would why would you know we would do everything in our power to help somebody? Yeah. You know you know that has a disease um, and. You know, but what what we know is that there it affects their thinking and takes over their whole system. So they're not making any good choices with the drugs in right. in their system, right. or even with uh, gambling or eating and and yes. and sex, um, you get mes- mesmerized by this stuff, and you really think this is somehow going to find fulfillment in your life and it's just a spiral downward but yeah to give up on anybody um seems seems insane so it's it's a balance it's a balance um you know and the balance is um it's a balance i think quite often comes down to um are you Sometimes it comes down to the physical help that you're giving. You know, um, it, it's so, especially with with chemical addicts. Um, you know, they want they need help with money, and and you, you absolutely have to come to the place where you can't give them any money. That I agree with. Feet, you, you know, could give them food, uh, give them, the, um, you know, food, but not money. And and so, um, you know, and, and quite frankly, they they need the consequences. They need some of the consequences of the, their actions. Um, sometimes, some, some people, this is where they get the rock bottom concept, is... They need to uh, experience uh, the full consequences of their actions. Um, I, I can give an example um, of, of of a situation in, in a family in which uh, the, the the young man was um, you know started out with with drugs um, and very quickly ended up getting um, arrested. Okay. All right. And so, you know, naturally the parent is, oh, I want to rescue this. I want to make sure that he doesn't actually go to jail because jail is a horrible place. And, and, um, and so you, you know, you go, the parent goes and gets a lawyer and, and, kind of rescues them out of that situation right but the, the kid didn't learn anything right you know and and so months and months go by uh, he's still living this kind of lifestyle uh, in order to live that lifestyle they end up selling in order to, to maintain their habit you know um, and then um Eventually, they're introduced into harder and harder and harder drugs. Now they're selling harder and harder and harder drugs, and the arrests come, 
And with with each arrest, if the parent is trying to rescue them out of that, they're really missing out on what the the kid really needs. Right. Which is to be sitting behind bars contemplating his life. That's right. And, and not for anything, you have shared that you have helped your some of your family members by kidnapping them yep. and locking them in your house yep. and uh, you know and getting them um, physically healthy so that they can go and make a uh, a sane decision to to start on the path of, of healing and growth uh, doesn't always work the first time out does it well for me it did because um I had a lot of people in my corner that were ready to beat the person up if he even tried to escape. <laughs> and besides that, that's you're right. Jerry. And I'm Jerry. So, <laughs> so, so but, um, um, but, um, but you know, um, going to like county jail or going to the local jail for a couple nights—that's you know that's getting them out of the system their their body ends up getting getting clean and getting you know and then they can begin to think clearly and and many many times that would be the best thing for and so back to this question of how how much do you help is a really difficult question yes and my my personal recommendation and uh, is that you find a group of parents to keep or just you know just to keep each other sane you know because you're, you're all going through the same thing and um, so so some of those um, the al anon and nor anon groups okay, those are for for people who live with addicts they're not so much focused on the intricacies of the steps, but they're they're really focused on helping us not become sick, like our you know like the person that that is using the drugs and drugs and alcohol is sick. So I want to touch base on that now. Everything you just said. <clears throat> so guys, this is really really important for everyone out there to understand. Um, there is a huge difference between helping the addict and enabling. So, Mackie touched base a little bit, and I'm going to tell you a couple things about me personally so that you know I know what I'm talking about. Because a lot of people make statements and others are thinking, well, you haven't lived it, you don't know. Sure I have. So, I'm going to share some things with you. I'm an open book now, like I said, I'm an author on addiction, so I can say these things freely. And it will help someone out there. Okay, um, my I have a family member, my grandson's dad, who has a drug problem. We've been trying to help him for over 20 years. Um, at this moment, he is clean and sober, thank God. So endless times sending him to different rehabs, whatever it took. Okay, but when he was dating my daughter and my daughter got pregnant with my grandson, my daughter ran away. She didn't do any drugs, but she was an enabler for him. And I put down, you know, with an iron fist, I said, he can't come to my home. 
my daughter was 18, so she was technically an adult. I said, and uh, you have to make a decision. So she so-called ran away. Long story short, I get a phone call from jail, and it's my daughter crying, saying I need to come bail her out because she was hiding his pot, and she got caught with him. And I hung up the phone and cried and prayed and said, Lord, tell me what to do. And he said, absolutely not. You leave her in jail. So I left my child in jail, pregnant with my grandchild. Okay? My mom, she calls my mother down the road. My mother, who was disabled, but thank God she couldn't get in her car at that moment. She sent the money down with a cousin and said, go get my granddaughter out now. And I said, bring this money back to my mother. My daughter's staying. Well... Long story short, through everything that has gone on, my my grandson is wonderful. He just graduated high school, never touched a drug in his life. My daughter, she's doing incredibly. Um, she has a four-year-old little girl now as well. Um, um, they're no longer together. Unfortunately, like I said, he's he's clean now, but we're still there to help him. But here's the difference. My daughter wrote a poem for me and framed it. Thank God for you, Mom. After I left her in jail pregnant with my grandson. My grandson will tell you I'm the greatest grandmother in the world. My grandson will tell you he's got the greatest mother in the world. I'm saying this so you guys get it. I left her in jail pregnant. And look at the outcome. Okay? So, yes, I can say it because I've done it. And it's something we all need to do at times. So... Having said that, enabling is different. I will never enable any addict, ever. But this is what I say to every one of them. If you need help 24-7, I'm here for you, but don't waste my time. Don't waste my time. So now they know how serious I am, and I can't tell you how many people through God I've gotten help. I got a phone call six months ago in the middle of the night from a woman on social media that no one had a clue was an alcoholic. She's going to be on my show when she's ready to talk about it. She interviewed me at times. Okay? Called me up. I want to die tonight, Jerry. I'm a raging alcoholic. I need help. I picked her up. Got her help. She's clean and sober. So, everyone out there knows I will do anything in my power to help you, but I will never, ever enable you. There is a huge difference. And I'm going to say this again, Mac. Yes, I kidnapped family members, but I had help. I had people waiting, knowing that if you even try to escape, (laughs) you're going to get a beaten. (laughs) You know, and to this day, one of them is clean and sober now over 30 years. Uh, He's an older cousin of mine. I can't say his name, but he lives in New York. Tough guy, tough guy. And uh, he is... Still clean and sober after I kidnapped him back then. (laughs) So, you know, people need to understand, Mackie, that, you know, there is a fine line between helping, loving, and enabling. And I'm not sure it's it's all that fine. I think there's some gray in there. Okay, okay. And and that's why um, having uh, some help from others in your life um, yes. you know, as you go through this and you have, you know, yes. that, um, is really important to, um, and, and also I would say if you have somebody, uh, who is in your life, who is destroying their life yep. uh, through drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever it is, um, 
what's your relationship with your higher power with with God yep you know, I agree. because um, I you know needed I needed so when I was in uh, those years in which I was clueless to the fact that this was you know destroying my life the secret you know was doing way more damage at the time than I realized and I, that was back in the dark ages they didn't even have internet porn the stuff that they have today is just mind boggling yes but I get it even back then looking at magazines um, didn't compare was, yes I know. You know go ahead no it didn't compare yeah, but it but it still did the damage. Yes, yes. Like I still, I still, there was still something broke inside of me that had me doing that, and um, and I when I went when I went to God, that was one, um, you know, that was the beginning of going to God as as someone addicted, you know. Right. Um, <clears throat> when later on in life when I had someone in my life who was addicted um, to, to other stuff, um, I had to go to God in a whole different way because I needed God's guidance on how, where do I draw the, where do I find that line? Where is that line, you right. know, between helping and not helping? And I have a story too of, you know, saying, and getting a, 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 a phone call from a, from you know someone who was in a program and and I'm not positive it was the you know it, it, it was the best program in the world but it still was a place where they were trying to help, help yes. them get wealth and after three days of being there done detox you know there's the phone call is oh I left they, they discharged me no, they didn't discharge him. He left because he he just thought, oh, I'm all better because I'm not under the influence of drugs anymore. And I had to say, you know, and then, then I was told, you know, please come pick me up. And it already been determined that he needed to finish what he started in that program, right? Okay. And so I couldn't go pick him up. Okay. Uh, you know, I agree. And, yes, beautiful. Yeah, you know, and he was like, "Well, you left so fast. You left my 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 coat in your car." You know, I said, "No, <laughs> you got out of the car. You took everything with you, but your coat." Right. Like I, you know, and and so he says, "Well, what? <laughs> and what if I freeze to death?" <laughs> and. My, this was the hardest thing, but it was only it was only God that enabled me to say, "I can't imagine waking up tomorrow morning and hearing it would be the most horrific thing of my whole life to hear that you froze to death." Hmm. Now I could say that because, and and this is something that you also say in your book, by the way, he wasn't going to freeze to death. <laughs> addicts, addicts always figure out a way. That's right. To get their drugs. That's right. And to keep on living. That's so right. They can use their drugs again. And that's right. You know. And uh, 
and, and he didn't, you know, of course. And he found somebody else who was all, was a healthy person um, to uh, pick him up and take him down to a, you know to a place where he could mm-hmm. stay overnight. It wasn't a good place, but he wasn't at least out on the out on the street, out in the woods. It would have been up there overnight in the middle of winter. Well, that person called me up and said, "I'm sorry, uh, but I'm I, I know you can't help your I can't you can't help him, but um, I'm is it okay if I help him?" And I said, "Of course." Yes, because you're not the one doing it. That's all that matters. That's right. That's was, all that matters. The place that I I couldn't be that person that kept rescuing. That's right. Him. That's right. He never helped him. Never. Um. I want to read a poem. I did not write this. This poem is one of the most powerful, powerful poems I've ever read on addiction. I, Whenever I do a show, I read this. The author is actually unknown. No one even knows who wrote this poem. I like to think God put it out there. So I'm going to read this poem, and then we're going to continue. Okay. I destroy homes, tear families apart take your children, and that's just the start. I'm more costly than diamonds, more costly than gold. The sorrow I bring is a sight to behold. And if you need me, remember I'm easily found. I live all around you in schools and in town. I live with the rich, I live with the poor. I live down the street and maybe next door. My power is awesome, try me, you'll see, but if you do, you may never break free. Just try me once and I might let you go, but try me twice and I'll own your soul. When I possess you, you'll steal and you'll lie, you'll do what you have to just to get high. The crimes you'll commit from my narcotic charms will be worth the pleasure you'll feel in your arms. You'll lie to your mother, you'll steal from your dad, when you see their tears, you should feel sad. But you'll forget your morals and how you were raised. I'll be your conscience. I'll teach you my ways. I take kids from parents and parents from kids. I turn people from God and separate from friends. I'll take everything from you, your looks and your pride. I'll be with you always, right by your side. You'll give up everything, your family, your home, your friends, your money. Then you'll be alone. I'll take and I'll take till you have nothing to give. When I'm finished with you, you'll be lucky to live. If you try me, be warned, this is no game. If given the chance, I'll drive you insane. I'll ravish your body, I'll control your mind. I'll own you completely, your soul will be mine. The nightmares I'll give you while lying in bed, the voices you'll hear from inside your head. The sweats, the shakes, the visions you'll see, I want you to know these are all gifts from me. But then it's too late, and you'll know in your heart that you are mine and we shall not part. You'll regret that you tried me. They always do. But you came to me, not I to you. You knew this would happen. Many times you were told, but you challenged my power and chose to be bold. You have said no. You could have said no and just walked away. If you could live that day over, now what would you say? I'll be your master. You'll be my slave. I'll even go with you when you go to your grave. Now that you have met me, what will you do? Will you try me or not? It's all up to you. I can bring you more misery than words can tell. Come take my hand. Let me lead you to hell. Signed, Drugs and Alcohol. So, addiction is serious. um, And unfortunately, it's huge today. But they also have choices. I need everybody to really, really understand this. They have choices. 
if an addict can choose while he's in his depth of addiction and needs that drug desperately, okay? It's a, it's a Friday night. He's desperately needing a drug. He needs his drug of choice, right? And he's going through withdrawals and he'll do anything in his power to get it. Here's where you need to understand that his mind is still thinking because he will think it through and figure out a way to do whatever it takes to get that drug. So that's why I have a very hard time saying that the addict is it has a disease and is powerless. He might be powerless over that addiction, but he's not powerless because if he was, he couldn't even figure out a way to do that. So, right, right you know, so guys, really understand this. Um, Mackie and I want you to understand that, unfortunately, like I said from the beginning, we all know someone, right, that we care about. So there is, you know, there is that gray area, you're right, Mac, a gray area in between helping and enabling. Never enable, but always, always know, let them know you're there when they really need the help. That's the difference, okay? That's the difference. Um, Mac, we have we still have time, but I'm going to let you tell a little bit about what was the light bulb that went on for you? What turned on that light when you realized you needed to get rid of the porn? Okay, so um, my story is a little bit different because uh, I was... Um, it was a huge secret back then. I was in the in a uh, Christian uh, ministry type world. Uh, I was actually in a college, you know, a Bible college at the time, and so I was constantly being convicted over this secret struggle that I had. Um, but I only thought of it as a behavioral struggle. I didn't think of the, I had no clue as to what was behind it. Um, and so at that time, I did, um, went, uh, I finally went to somebody, and it really wasn't 22 when I stopped. Um, it was more like uh, 19 or 20, because it was the, that was the point in which I went and told somebody I had a problem. Okay. It was a peer. It was a peer, and uh, years and years later, he still was somebody I was accountable to. Um, and we began uh, an, a, an accountability relationship. Um, uh, it wasn't really mentoring because we were peers, and you know, he shared struggles that he had, and we we connected. The, but but what was you know? but what was what went like all of a sudden in your brain where you said. I gotta stop. What happened there? What were your thoughts? Oh, okay. It was it was the compulsivity of it. Okay. okay. It was it was um, you know realizing that you know three blocks away were seven hundred Bible college students. Okay, got and it. And I had just been to chapel. I <laughs> just read the Bible that day. And here I was going and, and, and doing this stuff, you know, okay. and, um, and that was, there was an insanity in there. Okay. It was, it was constantly saying, I want to stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. I want to stop. 
but until I told somebody, a, a real live person, um, I I didn't I couldn't find the power in myself to stop. Okay. I found, and I couldn't find it in just praying out to God. Okay. And I think that's because that's the way God works. Of course, He God gives us works people through other people. He gives us people. And so it was God and another person, right? That really I began to find uh, victory over the behavior, and the behavior stopped at that point. So what I didn't what I didn't realize was what was behind the behavior, and I, I, I and you know what was. What was that? What part of my soul was that feeding? That act, those acting out okay. behaviors, um, and that is usually, I think that's the case for for all addicts. Is that there's something that they're trying to fill inside them, and at that point in my life, nobody directed me to look at what that was. And so I, my story is a sad. is sad in, the, in that it took me uh, a few years until I, I actually was working on my master's in counseling. That I began to see what was still broken inside of me. Um, that could be could heal and grow, and and it basically had to do with relationship. Okay. And so, and our connection—that's another way to put it. The story, the poem that you just read, is all about the drug wanting to have a relationship. relationship. With the drug yes, user. yes. You know, and right, very intimate relationship. Yes, right up until death. Right up until death. You know, in in, in the death <clears throat> and until hell, and um, and that was that was what was happening with me when I was in, you know junior high, high school, and the early years of college was that when I was feeling down and feeling disconnected, wasn't even necessarily aware, but I, that's what I was feeling, yep. I know what will make me feel connected. And better. So it will make me feel thing. better. Yes. You know, and, um, you know, and so uh, when I was in my grad program, um, now it's like, I'm really old. I don't know if you realize that, Jerry, but... Um, <laughs> I'm right up so, there with you, babes. <laughs> like 25 years ago, 27 years ago, is when, when really the light bulb began to go on, that there was still stuff that I never dealt with inside, um, and that was... There was a disconnect with self. So I, I believe that the answer to addictions is going to be doing some business in connecting with God, but connecting with others and connecting with your true self. Yes, amen to you that. Know, to, it really looking and saying, hey, this is broken. But the fact that it's broken doesn't mean that um, that I'm garbage. Right. It just means I have something I have to work on on fixing, and God and others and and stuff that I do can help heal that. So, but it, go ahead. So, um, everything that you just said is exactly one hundred percent right. 
you know, you, so, okay, so the poem, right? When you said that the poem, like the drug, even wants the relationship with the person, it's kind of like an oxymoron because really it's the person talking through this poem as if they're the drug wanting a relationship with themselves because they already know. The person already knows before they pick up that drug, this is all possible. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's almost like self-destruction. It's almost like they feel worthless and they don't want to get better. They want to self-destruct. You know, I want to share something with everybody. What my uh, turning point was. They teach us in the programs to be selfish. And they teach us that being selfish is going to keep us sober. So whatever it takes to be sober. See, I don't agree with that either. So that's why I'm against most of what they teach. Because if I wasn't, if I was selfish, I would be dead today. So this is what happened to me, Mackie. I know you and I've talked about this, but I want people out there to understand what happened. So it was in the 90s. Um, I owned a beauty salon. We were making way too much money back then at such a young age for it to even be healthy. Okay, businesses were thriving the late 80s, early 90s. And I had a beauty salon, very wealthy clientele. And I owned a 1990 black and gold Eldorado Cadillac with Elvis license plates. Not flashy, right? Well, me and a friend, a girlfriend, we're going to go into Trenton at 1 o'clock in the morning, Trenton, okay, to cop our heroin. So we go, and there's an unmarked police car that recognized my car and my license plates because I was very good friends with a client of mine at the time who was a municipal court judge. She was the boss of all the judges in Mercer County. And I used to meet her at the courthouse for lunch a lot. She's still in my life, thank God. And he recognized my car, and he followed us. Our drug dealer didn't have any heroin, so he had to get in the back of my car. We had to drive two or three blocks in Trenton in the middle of the night in his car, he got out, went, copped our dope, got back in my car with eight bags of heroin. Imagine that. The cop car pulls me over, and he calls the judge in the middle of the night, and he comes back to my car, and he says, Judge so-and-so said, Jerry, go home, get some sleep, and get help, and get this guy out of your car now. I threw him out, threw the dope out, threw my friend out, said, that's it, I'm done. The reason why... That was my rock bottom was because it was no longer about me. I wasn't selfish. It was about now everyone knowing and my poor family what they would have to deal with. My family is very well known in this town. We have businesses. My friend who was a municipal court judge, oh my goodness, she now found out. So I put myself in a rehab in Princeton House. Stayed the full 30 days. And never looked back. I did everything they told me to do for the first 30 days, including getting a sponsor and going to meetings every day, standing up there saying, Hi, I'm Jerry, I'm an addict, and I'm powerless over my disease. So before I tell you my thoughts on that, guys, I want to stress this. I will never, ever, and I say this in my book, I will never tell anyone not to go to meetings, not to get a sponsor, because if that's what's going to help you, you need to do it. For me, it did not help me. It made me 
want to use drugs. It made me, I, I don't want to be talking about drugs every day and listening to war stories and saying I'm powerless and I'm an addict. No, that didn't work for me. I'm an all or nothing kind of person. So after 30 days, I had to leave the program and completely give my life over to God. That was when the revelation came for me. I changed everything about my life. God was so faithful because I was faithful to Him. I'm saying that for a reason. Mackie, I just read something that somebody posted that was incredible. I get these daily things from, you know, the Bible. And something came today to, into my message and it said, when people say, I'm faithful to God and He's not faithful back, that's a bunch of bull. Because what does it really mean to be faithful to God? We can't be perfect. We're sinners. Okay? But, if we seek God every day and have a relationship with Him and talk to Him and pray to Him and read the Word, that's being faithful, not being perfect. If we do that, trust me, I'm here to tell you, He will never, ever fail you. He's never failed me. He has been so ridiculously faithful to me, even when I don't think I deserved it, guys. So, The most beautiful thing that he showed me, he showed me two things. And I'm going to share something, guys, and I hope you're all sitting down. Like I said, I'm an open book. Um, It took a long time. It took 25 years for me to be this open book. I wrote the book a few years ago. Um, So the reason I did drugs was because at 13 I was touched by a neighbor. Okay? I was a strong kid from New York. I, I moved to New Jersey. And the neighbor's wife was good friends with my aunt, and I was over the home a lot, and they had a baby, and they were moving away in a couple weeks anyway, and he got me alone, and he touched me and said some sexual things, and I'm saying this for a reason. I did not look like a teenager. I did not look like I was 13. I was built like a young woman, okay? Let's just say that. Anyway, I was a tough kid. And I said to him, you have 30 seconds to get your hands off of me or my dad will be in jail for murdering you with his bare hands. So he threw his hands up and he got off of me. And I told my uncle and I said, you need to tell him you know. Even back then, guys, see, I want you to understand something. We're going way back, okay? I'm 58 years old, so we're going way back. Back then, things were very different. Things were hush-hush, and I didn't want to hurt the wife. I, didn't, I was a kid. I didn't know, but I knew my father would kill him, and I couldn't tell him. So my uncle told him, you're lucky you're moving, blah, blah, blah. Okay. All these years later, my dad passes away two years ago, and my uncle and my aunt are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. Well, I didn't know it, but this family was invited because my aunt is still friends with the wife. And this is where, all these years later, God freed me. See, I did drugs not because he touched me. I did drugs because I always believed I allowed a child molester to go free. I was upset thinking maybe my aunt and uncle didn't do the right thing. Maybe I should have told my parents. Maybe I should have told his wife. I could not deal with thinking I let a child molester go free. Well, here I am at this point at 57 years old and he was watching me the whole night I didn't know it and when he saw me alone he came up to me he's in his late 70s now 
and he tried to kiss my lips. Well, I turned my face, and he got my cheek, and then he slapped my buck eyes. I'm telling you this for a reason. Anyone else would have probably punched him in the face. But I laughed and said, I see you're still a pervert. And he did it again. I said, count your blessings that this is my uncle's party. I care about your family. And I'm a Christian. And if my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, could get skinned alive on the cross for me, I could forgive you of this. But I thank God this happened. And I'm going to tell you guys why I thank God this happened. Because God freed me. He let me know I did not let a child molester go. If he was a child molester, he would not have been interested in me at 57 years old. That's why I preface that I didn't look like a child. And he was in his late 20s at the time. So God freed me in my late 50s of something that I've been torturing myself with all these years. That is how faithful God has been to me. And when I when I got a call from my friend who I helped get into Princeton House, she said, Jerry, I'm passing out your book. You need to bring six books here. Are you ready for this, guys? All these years later, right? 28 years later, I walk into the same rehab that I was in 28 years ago, this time carrying books that I wrote on addiction. How cool is that? So when people tell me they don't believe in God, I can't even understand it. Because God is not only real, God is unbelievable, and He will always, always, always be faithful as long as you choose to have that relationship with Him. So I'm going to let David Mackey, we're coming to the close of the show, guys. I'm going to let David Mackey give you his info. We typed it out there for them as well, but I want you to give everyone your info. Say anything else you'd like to say. We have a couple more minutes, and then we'll close the show, Mackey. So, as you were talking, Jerry, I, I, I thought about um, the fact that there may be people out there who are really at the very beginnings of wanting to get help. Um, their, their eyes are just beginning to open up. And we're, you know, you and I are talking about this relationship that we have with God that that is years old, yeah. you know, and... Um, it, and we didn't have that relationship at the, you know, at the point in which we started to get help. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that depth of, of closeness. Um, and, and so I would just say to anyone out there that, um, you know, uh, listen to our stories and, and know that this works, but you have to first seriously seek out a higher power that is real. We believe it's it's through Jesus Christ. Um, and secondly, seek out a, a people or a group of people that are about healing, you know, like recovery, healing, and growth. They're not about staying in the same spot. Um, and you know, like some of the programs that you're talking about, mm-hmm. and if you if you you know you said you would never turn say don't go to a right you know a twelve step meeting, but and I would just say if you go to a twelve step meeting and it's full of people who are just stuck uh, in the same place, go find a different meeting. 
you know, right. find a meeting in which everybody's introducing themselves. They, they are going to say that they're still an addict, but they're going to, if they're saying, well, we're, I'm recovering, or better yet, a grateful, recovered, you know, addict, that's, that meeting has potential because that's, that person is healing and growing. And, and, um, you know, so find the right meeting or, um, Maybe it's not even a meeting. It's just a group of men or women who 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 want to pursue God and pursue health away from uh, whatever addictions we have. Um, it, it may not be specifically about one addiction. It may be you know okay. um, a, a number of things. But the, the main thing is uh, finding that group that is uh, on a path of healing and growing. Yes. Um, you found it through the church. I found it through the church. Yes. Um, you know, but it, it's working on all three. And then the third part is it's, it's time to be brutally honest about yourself. It's time to um, start looking deeply and, and facing whatever demons are in there and and stop letting them control turn them over uh, to to God but also share them with with your supporting the supporting people in your life and you're going to be free of them and realize that underneath all that is this beautiful person that God created beautiful you know let everyone um, know your contact info also, Mac. So you can get in touch with me um, and through uh, email would be dmackie, M-A-C-K-E-Y, yeah, like Mickey, um, but with an A, M-A-C-K-E-Y 629. So that's dmackie629 at gmail.com. But probably the best, especially in this day and age, is just to use my cell phone, which is 908-675-0552. That's 908-675-0552. For those of you in the know, yes, that is my Jersey number. Um, I still love Jersey, even though I'm in Florida, um, where the other half of Jersey now lives. Um, I do phone... Uh, Counts coaching, you would call it. Not really licensed. Licenses don't like to do phone stuff, so we would call it coaching. I do that on the phone. I do FaceTime. I do Skype. Um, and I'd be happy to, to help you down this journey if you want to give me a call. Well, uh, we, we referred to, uh, at one point, Jerry, we refer, referred to people who... Um, the wives who are and, and family members mm. um, who are basically betrayed in their relationship by you know so, someone in their life pursuing either sex or um, drugs or alcohol, and that I, I've done counseling over the years with with that group of people too, um, okay. because that's a special kind of hurt. Right. You know, and um, need someone along the side. Um, I would love to help people um, with who are in that position. 
Well, thank you. So, I want to thank you, David Mackey, for being my guest. It was a great show. Um, Like he said, he's out there also willing to help the family members, the wives, right? Okay? That's important, guys. Um, If anybody needs help and they get in touch with me on Facebook, G-E-R-I, Petito, P-E-T-I-T-O, message me. I'll send you one of my books for free. We're here to help. Okay, guys? I'm going to close the show with the last poem in my book, and then I'm going to play my theme song. And I want to say thank you to everybody out there for listening. I want to say thank you to Barb and Steve for allowing this platform. And uh, again, I want to say thank you to my special guest, David Mackey. So this poem is called Change Your Choice. I had a life-changing moment that I knew had to be. The only way to change things was to first start with me. So I looked in the mirror and woke up one day and thought to myself I needed to pray. I asked God to change me, to help me stay strong, to clean up my mess, to right what's been wrong. I cleaned up my diet, I cleaned up my room, I cleaned up all habits with this old dirty broom. I kept going forward and never looked back. I refused to derail, stayed on the right track. I realized my worth and all that did matter through my selfish behavior, the lives I had shattered. I finally decided at 30 years old to stop abusing my body, my mind, heart, and soul. My life-changing choice that I had once made over 28 years now, guys, my debt has been paid. So you read all my thoughts on how to stay clean. It's all or nothing, my friend. There's no in-between. To live or to die is a choice you must make. Your life is not worthless. You're not a mistake. One day at a time is a slogan. Jerry Petito. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. When you don't know just what to do. Just what to do, just what to do. If what you're feeling is really true. It's really true. Really true. Just keep your ideas safe and sound. Safe and sound, safe and sound. That's exactly how change is found. Change is found, change is found. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last.